Okay, guys, um, we are in this lesson about rekindling our desire for the Lord. And remember, I told you the reason why we started out with this whole series is that there is something going on in churches and in the lives of believers that it's almost like a tendency to drift away, a tendency to drift away from the Lord. So what we're talking about is we're seeing among ourselves a drop in our commitment levels, which is reflected in, I don't know if I need to go to church today, okay? Because, like, I mean, this is a very real discussion among pastors. Used to, you could say, people, how an active member was somebody who came at least twice a month. Now people are saying they're active in a church if they come less than twice a month, like maybe once every six weeks. And, and, and we are seeing that, you know what I'm saying? So, like, churches are seeing a drop in attendance, but it's not that people left and went somewhere else. Because they they come back occasionally. It's that people's desire for God has diminished. Okay, so we've been looking at for the last few weeks about what can we do, and really what really needs to happen is God needs to stir our hearts again. Okay, and so we had four lessons. We had a lesson last week that we talked about. We looked at it many times before, but we looked at a video that kind of was stirring us to say, well, you know, what we really need to do is not like where we're at is somewhere different than where we've been before as a nation or as a church in this nation. But what we need to do is pray for God to stir us. Okay, so that was the conclusion we came to last week after watching the video. So today, that's what we're going to do. We're going to start having lessons now up until we get done with what we need to get done here as far as looking at this topic. We're going to talk about seeking the Lord. Well, I know what that is. George, you need to pray. Yeah, I, you might be surprised. Okay? Because prayer, let's just be honest. When we talk about prayer, that can be anything from thank you for this meal to... God bless the missionaries. Or give me a parking place at Walmart. And you consider that prayer. But prayer's more than that. Okay? Do you know what I'm saying? Prayer's more than that. Prayer is conversation with God. So we're going to look at several things today. So first of all, let's talk about the Lord's directive. There's really, we're going to see that God tells us that we need to come to him, that we need to seek after him. And, okay, so we're going to look, first of all, that the only response to the drop in our desire is prayer. So, first thing, your only hope is calling on the Lord for help. Your only hope. So, let me just stop for a moment. When we talk about this drift that's taking place among believers and in churches, What's not going to, what's, this is not going to solve the problem. Okay. I'm going to tell you some things that are not going to solve the problem. Okay. A coffee bar. Okay. With your latest favorite fragrant, whatever. If you're a coffee drinker, latte, cappuccino, 
That's not going to solve it. Okay. Number two, um, atmosphere, whether it be smoke machines or lights or whatever, or even a traditional setting. Three, programming. We've already talked about this. Programming is not going to change anything. The fact of the matter is, let's be honest, the world offers more things today that we can't compete with, and they do it better. Okay? So our only hope for rekindling a desire for the Lord is to call upon God, because he's the one who gives you that desire in the first place, right? Okay? So the first scripture I want us to look at is Isaiah 55, 6. Listen to what the prophet writes. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. So the scripture is saying to you and I, seek the Lord while he may be found. So let's just stop for a moment. The assumption there is, is I'm going to seek him because I can find him. Is that true? Can we find the Lord? Okay. Here's the other one. Call upon him while he is near. Is the Lord near to you? How near to you? Like Gene, you said it. Yeah, he lives within you. The Spirit of God indwells you. So that's pretty close, right? So think about that for a moment. Call upon him because he's near to you. Okay? Seek him because he's can be found. Alright, so here's the second thing. Here's actually three scriptures. Here's Psalm 50, verse 15. Call upon me in the day of trouble. Here's what God says. Call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. Do you see the progression there? Call upon him in the day of trouble. Now, anybody have any days without trouble? Every day is a day of trouble, right? Well, I haven't got anything major going on. No, it doesn't have to be major. Every day is a trouble. Sometimes just getting out of bed is trouble, right? All right? So, listen to me. Call upon me in the day of, tr day of trouble, and what does God say he's going to do here? What does the verse say God say he's going to do? What? I will deliver you. And then our response for the deliverance is what? Glorify God. Okay? You'll glorify the Lord. Okay? Now, in the Psalm 86, 7, in the day of my trouble, I will call upon you for you will answer me. Psalmist is saying here, in the day of your trouble, you call upon me. I'm going to call upon the Lord in the day of my trouble. Why? Because he'll answer me. All right, now let's stop for a moment. We've got three things now. All right, so, okay, let's stop. I want you to think with me for a moment. All right. There's this drift taking place. Maybe it's happening in your life. The desire for the Lord is not what it used to be. You're not sensing his presence anymore in your life, in the life of other believers when they come together. There's a problem. You see it. And you know that the only answer is who? God. Jesus, right? These Psalms are saying to you, in the day of your trouble... Call upon who? And he'll what? Answer you. Because we know what we need is to be revived, right? To be revived in our own hearts and our own spirit and our churches to be revived. So we need to call upon who? God. And he'll what? 
answer us. Did you understand what I'm saying? He'll answer us. Okay? He'll answer us. Now, here's the enablement to do this. We say, well, yeah, but I even lack the desire to pray sometimes, George. Well, here's the enablement. The desire to seek the Lord in prayer comes from the Lord. That's not, this, is, this is weird, right? So any desire that you have for God comes from who, folks? God. Because in and of yourself, you're not seeking after God. How do you know that? Romans chapter 3 very clearly communicates that no one seeks after God on their own. The Spirit of God has to draw you. Isn't that what Jesus said? No one comes to me except the Father. Draw them. So your desire for something more in your life, guess where that desire came from, folks? God. When you have a desire to see God working in your life and you want something more, that desire came from him. So the desire, the enablement to pray, comes from who? God. See, the Spirit is the one who is stirring you to pray for something more in your spiritual life. Do you understand? The Spirit is the one who is stirring you up to have more of God in your life. So he enables you to pray. All right? So here, Psalm 80, verses 18 through 19. Then we will not turn back from you. Look at that second phrase there. Revive us, and we will call upon your name. You see what the psalmist is saying? You have to be the one to stir us, and we'll call upon your name. Did you see what I'm saying? You revive me, God, to the point where I call upon your name. So we saw earlier, in a time of trouble, what? Call upon his name. Here he's saying, in order for me to call upon your name, God, you've got to be the one to enable me. You see that? God's got to be give you the ability to do it. So you can be honest with him and say, Lord, you know I'm lacking my, my desire, but I'm, I'm realizing you're stirring my heart again, but God, I need you to stir me. I need you to, to give me the ability to pray. You, Lord, you've got to give me the heart to pray for something more because you're stirring this up in me. Do you understand? I need you to help me. And he will. So let's, let's, okay, let's stop for a moment, guys. I want you to understand this. You praying for God to stir your hearts, to walk closer with him, that's God's desire for you. He wants you to do that. So you don't have to ask yourself and think, well, maybe, maybe I'm asking for something he doesn't want for me. No, no. If you've got that desire, he wants that for you. So pursue it. So pursue it, Okay. So let's go on. Restore us, O God, God of hosts. Cause your face to shine, and we shall be saved. That's talking about from our, from our difficulties. Look at Jeremiah. This, this is a well-known passage. A lot of people mention this passage with reference to difficulties they're going through and the promise of something later on. But look at what it says. Jeremiah, speaking to the exiles there in the Babylonian captivity, for thus says the Lord, after the 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good work to you and cause you to return 
to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. All right, so God's saying here, I know the thoughts that I have towards you. And it's not chaos. Our lives sometimes are chaos, right? Stuff happens that we don't want to have happen. It's not chaos. God says, I've got thoughts towards you, and it's not chaos. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. Look at what it says. Then you will call upon me and go and pray, and I will listen. Wow. Who starts the desire within you to want something more, folks? The Lord. Starts with him. And then when you start to act upon that desire that he gives you, what does he say? I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to listen to you. Okay, so then notice now the promise. The Lord will respond to those who genuinely seek him. If you are genuinely seeking the Lord, he's going to respond to you. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you are genuinely seeking the Lord, he's going to respond to you. Now, I think we understand what genuine is and what's not genuine, right? Okay, so we have parents here. We have grandparents here. And then we, we even have people who maybe are over others at work and so forth. And you know when somebody's heart is in something, right? You know that when you tell them to do something and you say to them, well, you know, if you do this, then... This is what the reward will be. You know when somebody's heart's in it or they're just simply going through the motions, right? Am I right in saying that? Do you think God doesn't know that with us? We're going to see here in a moment. He knows everything, right? He knows when you are doing it for the right reasons and then he knows sometimes when you're just going through the motions. Because sometimes don't we pray just going through the motions? Oh my, all the time. Let's pray before the meal. Uh... And then two minutes after the second bite, you're like, did we pray? You're an, I'm not the only one who's like that, right? Oh, it's age. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, Dad. I'm sorry. I'm getting old. Do, do, do you know what I'm saying? So, do, do you know what I'm saying? It's the same thing with your prayer life. You pray, then you wonder, did I pray this morning? And it is an age. It was going through the motions, right? Going through the motions. So let's look at some scripture here. Psalm 55, verse 16 through 17. As for me, I will call upon God, and the Lord shall save me. Evening and morning and at noon, I will pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. This is assurance, folks, throughout the scripture. God is saying to you, you seek me, you call out to me, I will hear you. You seek me, you call out to me, I will hear you. you know, let me just stop for a moment though. There is one time when he won't hear you. One time when he won't hear you. What's that? What's that? Yes, Psalm 66, verse 18. If you regard iniquity in your heart, I will what? not hear you. That is, if you're harboring sin, if you're holding on to sin, doesn't matter how much you want Jesus in your life, he's not going to listen to you as long as you're holding on to stuff that you shouldn't be holding on to. Do you understand? All right, but let's go on. 
Psalm 116, verses 1 to 2. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my supplications, because he has inclined his ear to me. Therefore, I will call upon him as long as I live. Wow, isn't that amazing? I love the Lord. Why? Because he listens to me. Isn't that sometimes a frustration for us as humans? We're going through stuff and we just feel like nobody's listening to us. Nobody understands. Ever been there? Nobody understands what I'm going through. Nobody understands. No matter, even if, like, have you ever sat down and said, you know, I'm going through this. And somebody says, oh, yeah, I went through the same thing. No, you didn't go through the same thing. You don't know exactly how I'm feeling. You're just giving me lip service. You ever feel that way? Y'all need coffee this morning. You ever feel that way? Yeah. He says, I love talking to God. Why? He listens. Yeah. And not only does he listen, he what? Responds. He responds to you and I. Do you understand? Isn't that awesome? He responds. So therefore, because he listens to me and responds to me, I'm going to talk to him. I'm going to call on him as long as I live, the, the psalmist is saying. Wow. Wow. Here's the other one. Hebrews 11.6. This is from, from because you're saying, oh, George, you're spending a lot of time in the Psalms. All right, Hebrews 11.6. But without faith, it is impossible to please God, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You gotta believe that when you go to God, He's gonna reward you for what, folks? Seeking Him. Seeking Him. Okay. <clears throat> so let's talk about the proper mindset now. We see what we need to do is seek Him. But you said, George, I noticed the lesson is seeking God exposed. What's that all about? Well, that's where we're going to spend the rest of our time here. Okay, so if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Psalm 139. Psalm 139. This is where we're going to spend the rest of our time now because if you and I are going to seek God, if we're going to genuinely seek God, you and I need to have a proper mindset in how we approach God. We need to have a biblical mindset that understands what things are like. Okay. Because here's what, here's what I'm going to say to you. Okay. So let's say, I don't know Bruce, even though I've known Bruce for lots of years now. Let's say I don't know Bruce, but I know that I have a, let's say I'm in business and he's in business, and I have a business appointment where I know I'm going to sit down at the table with him, uh, maybe at a restaurant in Dubois, and we're going to talk business. So this is my first time ever meeting him. I don't know what he's like. I don't even know what his personality is. He doesn't know what I'm like. He doesn't know what my personality is. We just know we're getting together to talk about something in business. All right, so tell me something. How do you feel when you have a meeting like that where you're meeting somebody for the first time? You don't know what they're like. You don't know how that meeting's going to go. What's going through your mind? Uncomfortable? Anxious? Yeah, anxiety. What else? Yeah, hoping there's common ground. Okay. One of the things you wrestle with is, who is this dude? What's he thinking? So you're reading body language when you're there. 
Let's say he looks bored. That's that's a threat, right? Yeah. You, you, you enter into meetings not sure what to do because you don't know what to do. And you know what the outcome's going to be. You don't know if after the meeting he's going to love you forever and be your best friend or if he's going to hate you and there goes the business deal. Right? And you're hoping you didn't have a bad hair day that day or that he didn't have a bad hair day that day. You know what I'm saying? Because everything turns on the the insecurity of that meeting. Listen, folks, that's how we sometimes approach God. We're not sure how to approach him. So let me make a couple of points here. We've got to drop the pretense in prayer. Do everybody understand what I mean by dropping pretense in prayer? Sometimes we can enter into interactions with other people with pretenses, with assumptions. Sometimes they're false assumptions. But we've got to drop the pretenses in prayer, especially when it comes to you. All right? So, first of all, as with human interactions, we approach the Lord as if there are some things hidden. So, okay, let's get back to my illustration here about me meeting with Bruce for lunch, okay? So I sit down with Bruce. Does Bruce know everything that's going on in my life? He maybe has heard rumors in town or something, but that's not, he still doesn't know, okay? He doesn't know how I'm thinking that day. He doesn't know if I have a headache, you know what I'm saying? He doesn't know that I'm dreading because maybe I've got a good poker face on, you know what I'm saying? And in human interactions... You and I can hide things from each other. How are you doing today? Super! Wow, isn't that crazy? Anybody having a super day? That's unrealistic, right? But people say that, right? Because they're hiding stuff about what's going on. See, that's what's going on in human relationships. We approach the Lord as if there are some things hidden. What do you mean we approach the Lord? Well, we come to God and act like that wrong thing that we did, he doesn't know about. So if we don't mention it, we don't even give a hint towards it, maybe he overlooks it. You're laughing at that, but that's how sometimes we operate, right? Isn't that true? Because the human beings around us don't know. Okay? Here's the other thing. We must operate from the reality that our lives and thoughts are completely exposed to God. Do you hear what I'm saying? If you're going to genuinely approach God, you have to come to a place where you recognize that your life and your thoughts are completely out in the open with God. That's scary, isn't it? Because, let's be honest, our lives and our thoughts are not completely open to anybody else, right? We may go around and say, well, I know him! No, you don't. You know some things about him. But his life and his thoughts are completely not exposed completely to everyone except one person. Who's that? The Lord. So when you go to the Lord genuinely, you need to enter in with a proper mindset that everything about me, everything that I am, everything that I'm hiding, everything is on the table with God. Now, isn't this amazing that even though everything's on the table with God, 
he still loves you. Whoa. Isn't that amazing? He still loves you. Because we carry the shame, right? We carry the shame. Shame's a really big thing. All right, so let's look. We're going to look together at some things here. We're going to talk about the one who knows you. The one who knows you, okay? So, first of all, let's look at Psalm 139. Okay, let's look at verses 1 to 6. I will praise you with my whole heart. Before the gods, I will sing praises to you. I will worship towards you, holy temple, and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified your word above all, your word above all your name. What? You know what? I did this when I was studying. I was reading 138. Why can't I get, I better get a better Bible. Okay. 138 is great too, guys. Okay. Thanks, Bruce. I love Bruce. He can correct me. Okay. Sooner or later, I would have figured it out. Because I was reading it. I was saying, what does that have to do with God knowing me? Okay, here it is. Here it is. 139, verse 1. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You have known my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down. You are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful to, for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. All right, so here's what I want you to see, folks. Just these first six verses. First of all, isn't that... How do you react to that? I mean, he just basically says here what? Every word you speak, he what? Look, can, can I, I, I guess I am getting older. I don't even remember all my conversations yesterday. Or maybe I knew I talked to somebody, but I can't remember everything I said. He knows every word I utter. Wow! Okay, so here's, this, here's the first thing I want you to see about a proper mindset. The Lord intimately knows everything about you. Thoughts, speech, and actions. He knows everything. He knows all of your motives. He knows everything. Everything. In fact, the writer says, just knowing that is beyond my comprehension. That's too high for me to grasp. That God would know everything. Because let's be honest, that's completely out of our experience. Have we met anybody who knows everything about us? I've met some people who said they did, but no, they don't. God does. So when you're approaching him, and you're genuinely seeking after him to stir your heart again for him because he's the one who's put that desire in you, when you genuinely seek him, you need to open with reality, God, you already know everything about me. You know my shortcomings. You know every word I uttered. 
That is beyond me. Let's, let's go on. All right, let's go on. <clears throat> Look with me now at verses 7 through 12. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me. Your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light before me. Indeed, darkness shall not hide from you. And the night shines in the day. Darkness and light are both alike to you. Wow. What we're talking about here is God's omnipresence. Here's what I want you to see. There is no place where you can go that God is not there. He doesn't need find my friends on your iPhone to locate you. Or whatever it is for an Android. Location services are not needed with God. Why? Because no matter where I go, guess what, folks? He's there. One of the reasons why he's there wherever you go is, is because if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, who, le who lives within you? Holy Spirit, who is who, folks? God. Wow. Wow. Isn't that humbling? Hey, because, you know what, let's get back. My meeting with Bruce over lunch. I can bluff my way in that meeting, right? And he wouldn't know. Do you know what I'm saying? I could be a total schmuck to deal with, but he wouldn't know that because I can bluff my way and act like everything's okay, and he wouldn't know. He would only go by what he knows as far as meeting me, maybe hearing some things. But he wouldn't know. You can't bluff your way with God, can you? Not at all. Because he already knows. He was there with you. He's always been with you if you're a believer. Wow, that really makes you drop the pretenses, right? When you approach him, you're exposed. You're exposed. All right, let's go on here. Notice with me now verses 13. Verse 13 now through 18. For you formed my inward part. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you. And when, when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth, your eyes saw my substance being yet uninformed. And in your book, they were all written, the days fashioned for me. As yet, there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I count them, they would be more in number than the sand. And when I awake, I am still with you. Wow. There are some intimate thoughts there, aren't there? Won't you listen to this? As creator, 
The Lord has always known you. Do you know what just stood out to me as I was reading this? This just blew me away when I was reading it. What? He is constantly having thoughts about me. And those thoughts number more than the sands on the sea. Wow. Isn't that awesome? You know, like I remember, I remember when I first started dating Lori, and, and and you know, when you first got that girl or you got that guy, and you're like, all you're doing is thinking about who, folks, how the Steelers are doing, right? No, 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 you're not. You're you're thinking about who that person. They consume you. All your thoughts are, you know, and they're like the sands on the sea, right? That God is continually thinking about you and me. Because he's always with us. He knows everything. He's thinking good thoughts towards us. And he said, that is just too wonderful for me to grasp. Isn't that awesome? Let's go on. The Lord has always known you, even before you were born. He knows all of your days. Listen, he knows all of your days. So guess what? He knows when you're going to what? Sin, mess up. I like to say that his plan for you includes your mess ups. Because sometimes when we do this, oh, I'm messing up now. God can never use me. Hold on, hold on, hold on. He knew you before you were born. He knew all of your days. He knew what? You would mess up here and you would mess up there. His plan accounted for your mess up. Isn't that not awesome about God? Is that not awesome? Let's go on. I want you to listen to me. Listen to me. Look again. We're going to finish this up. Look at verse 19. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, you bloodthirsty men, for they speak against you wickedly. Your enemies take your name in vain. I do not hate them, O Lord, who hate you. I do not loathe those who rise up against you. I hate them with perfect hatred, and I count them my enemies. So there he's talking about the people who are opposed to them. Okay, But here's what I want you to focus on. Look at verse 23 and 24. This is what we're talking about, seeking God. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And see if there is any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Wow. That's what it means to seek God. So here's what I want you to see. Okay? The Lord is the one, only one who can examine your life. The Lord is truly the only one who can examine your life. Isn't that true? He's the one who can search you. He knows your anxieties. What's that? Your worries. Anybody here got no worries today? We all have some kind of worry, right? Some of you are like worrying, how long is George going to take? You know? I got to get my coffee. No, I'm serious. You do. Like, you're a watch checker. Pastor share story. I remember a guy years ago had a guy in his church. Thank you. I've never had that. 
and he had a watch checker in his thing, and when he got close to the noon hour, he would take his watch and rap on the pew to send a signal to the preacher that your time's almost up. Okay. The Lord is the only one who can truly examine your life. He knows you. Knows everything about you. Knows your anxieties and your worries. Here's the second thing. The Lord will expose your wickedness and lead you into life. See, when God exposes... Listen, I want you to hear me, okay? Sometimes... You ever met somebody, they kind of like to find fault with people? They're fault finders. They're just looking for a screw up from somebody and they expose it. Why do they do that? Why do they do that? Makes them, yeah, you're right, Tim. Makes them look better because you're a screw up. So it makes them like, I'm better than you. Do you understand? And sometimes we have this concept that, you know, we, we, that's why we hide what we do wrong is because we don't want to be exposed by to other people because we're afraid of them belittling us because of the things that we've done wrong. Listen, when God exposes sin, he exposes it for one reason only, so that he can deal with it and lead you what? In a better way. He exposes it for what? Restoration. Do you understand what I'm saying? So listen, when you are approaching God, drop the pretenses. Quit bluffing your way with him. Genuinely seek him because he knows exactly who you are. And guess what? Even if you're struggling, what? He knows that. He'll help you. He'll help you. So the next time we talk, we're going to talk about being honest with God about our faults and our sins. That's the next part of seeking God. Okay? Because guess what? Doesn't he already know it? Yeah. And he still chooses to love you, right? He still chose to send his son to die for you.